Great to have your company this morning on the Radio Tab Breakfast Show. It's Monday and we always finish out Monday's show with a chat to the Courier Mail's Chief Sports Writer in Robert Crash Craddock and I'm assuming he's going to be up and about this morning because of Cameron Smith's great win at St Andrews at the British Open. Crash, good morning. Yes, it's a it's an iconic day, Paul, isn't it? I mean, that's one of the greatest victories in Australian sporting history, really. I mean, a... To, to, to score 64 at the home of golf on the 150th British Open, to sweep past the champion, like the, the iconic Rory McIlroy, who did little wrong. He was too under himself. But, you know, Smith just, through sheer brilliance, just swept past him with those five birdies you just mentioned. And, and it reacquainted golf with a gentler time where... You know, uh, the wedge can be as dangerous as the driver and the putt is the real killer. You know, that old saying, drive for dough, putt for show. Uh, sorry, drive for show, putt for dough. I mean, no one is a better example of that than Cameron Smith. And he's such a likeable person. The, the press over there, have re- well, they've taken to him for a couple of years now, but this, this has gone to a new level. Yeah, he's always been very understated. A kid from the northern suburbs... Plays, of course, at one team, a golf club. And what I like about it is he goes back to the club. You know, Dad, Des is a printer. His mum still works at Woolies and uh, just because she likes it. And yeah. um, I, I think that... The, the, look, the story, boys, is very similar to Ash Barty in a lot of ways. Um, just that there's no airs or graces about the family. And, and, and I think it's really helped Cameron Smith. Just They're very matter-of-fact, aren't they? Because uh, when asked at the press conference who was there, and he said, well, none of my family were there. And he said, well, how come? And he said, well, Dad said it's a long way to go for a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I- I- exactly. And I think that uh, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like, they, you know, they don't smother him. Um, they, they just let him live his life, and, and they don't sort of live their life through him, although obviously... In a way, they do, but but they played huge roles. I mean, Des was a former baseballer, a scratch golfer himself. Cam beat him for the first time when he was 12 years old, and I think everyone thought then, "Wow, this kid's just rising." But it's been a beautiful, steady rise, Jared. You know, he's been mm. a player to watch for a lot of years, and just always seems a bit better every year. Beautiful temperament, and he said at his press conference that, you know, he he, he got a little bit more professional. He he said. I realised I had to hit more balls rather than have a few drinks with my mates. So, you know, he pulled him, pulled himself, uh, you know, he was always a, a very moderate liver, but but just, you know, tuned himself up an extra 10%, and that's what you've got to do occasionally. It's wonderful. Crusher, we had Tony Webeck on earlier, uh, one of the country's best golf riders, and he's recently penned the book Aussies at the Open, and he made a really interesting point. OK, we had the 100th, obviously, 50 years ago, but this 150th... It's probably the biggest tournament ever because on a worldwide scale, how we can view it now, how social media works, there was more attention on this golf tournament, perhaps more than any other ever in the history of the game. Yeah, exactly. Well, the build-up was coming for for years and years, wasn't it, since they put it in the schedule. And Tiger Woods, even when he in his post-car accident blues when he was down and out, he said... I'd like to play at St Andrews. And uh, he targeted this tournament from uh, several years ago. And everyone loves St Andrews. I mean, it's Tiger's favourite course. You know, it's got a mystique and a a heritage all of its own. It's a unique sort of a course. You know, it's not the prettiest course in the world, but it's 
it's St Andrews and, you know, the charming features of it all. And, and it is a, an interesting contrast, you know, the, the old-fashioned course and, you know, the kid who loves his uh, souped-up Subarus and his Brisbane Broncos and his state of origin and uh, his mullet, you know, it's a fair contrast. And, and just, that's, but that's the charm of it. But, but what I liked more than anything else was he's just pure silk, isn't he? Uh, it was so intimidating for all of his rivals. Whenever they saw him with a putt of less than 15 feet, they just expected him to to, to nail it and train it. And it's astonishing. Paul, it's astonishing. Look, if we went out to a golf course now and watched the professionals, OK, they hit the ball 350 meter yards, some of them. You say, wow, look at that. But sinking a putt regularly for more than 15 feet, that, that to me, is more stunning. And well, that's what Cameron Smith does. Crash, Sam Torren said during the uh, the coverage, he said even his misses uh, from any range looks like they're going in. That's how good he is with the putter. And that's coming from one of the, the greatest golfers of all time. Crash, look, we're going to talk more about Cameron Smith, but you always give us your underrated and overrated. Would you Have you got a couple there for us? Yeah, underrated. Uh, how would you like to own a horse, Paul, that raced every week for nine years? How, how would you like to? Well, I'd be that's in on the, that. That's the equivalent of Lancelot Bromack, who won last Friday at Albion Park at his 465th start. That's the equivalent of nine years racing once every year. 32 wins, 68 seconds, 58 thirds, $358,000 prize money. And I love the old trainer, Stuart Dixon, who's very good with these old geldings. I remember in the 1980s, he had a horse called Tollvan, an old gelding. Just used to go out, used to let it loose and go and have a pick around the stables. But I just think this is the charm of... of we'd all love to own a champion, but if you can't have a champion, what about one like Lancelot Bromack? And Chris Barsby, who's be, been in terrific form throughout the carnival when that won the other day, so they should build a statue to this horse. <laughs> a charm, a charming story all of its own. And part owned by Mitchell Manners. Yes, indeed, and, and, mm. and Stewie Dixon himself. So it's just a lovely story, Jared. And, and you know, I, I think, uh, you know, he pays his way. He's won 10,000 this year, 33,000 last year, and as age 12, you know, and, and there's no... They, they want him to get to 500 starts, which is... Gosh, I can't even register that in my mind. That's like, he's the Cameron Smith of harness racing. He just goes on and on. <laughs> he does. What about overrated? Overrated is, is the thought that New South Wales have true passion in state of origin. I, I think it was Strip Bear the other day. Now, look, I listened with interest to you talk to Brett Reid about, you know, qualification from different regions and all that. But when it really comes down to tours... Aren't New South Wales as desperate as Queensland? Do they play for their mates like the Queensland team do? Do they are they as kamikaze as the Maroons when they just decide we we can't afford to lose this game? I don't think they are. I don't think they are. And, and it's it's kept Queensland in the Origin series for forty years, hasn't it? And they've never had the talent pool New South Wales has had. But I watched guys like Jerome Luai the other night and, you know, when the team was going backwards, he was struggling, you know. And, you know, I saw kids like Tom Dearden who just decided he was on a mission. I just reckon Queensland, they just outpassion New South Wales. And they'll deny. They'll say, oh, we want to play for the Blues. Do you really? Do you really? You know, not as much as Queensland. 
Crusher, back to uh, Cameron Smithing. You spoke about his putting and his short game, and he's known for it. Uh, Jack Nicholas said he's probably one of the best chippers that he's ever seen of the golf ball. But as far as putting's concerned, why do you think he is such a good putter? Well, it's it's simplicity. He says that before he lines up a putt, he never has a practice stroke, which is interesting because many do, most do. But he just visualises the ball going in the hole. And I think when you practice it as much as he does, you, you know, you just get a feel for it. And it's all feel with him. But they say that even from his young days at one teamer, when he was playing as a five, six, seven, eight-year-old out there, he, he, he wasn't a big boy and, and he lacked, but he made up for it by just softness around the greens. And he, he, he practised his wedges and his putting and it's just a, it's an incredible skill. It really is. I mean, his putting performances on Friday, they measure the length of putts that he drained. And they said no person in the history of PGA golf has drained a, a collective total. I think it was 280 feet or something like that. But, but it was extraordinary. Um, and uh, it won him the tournament. Will we see him on the live tour? Well, this is a big story, Jared. This is a massive story. And it's just... Cameron Smith was asked at his press conference whether there was rumours that he would join Greg Norman's Rebel Live Golf Tournament. And he said, gee, mate, fancy asking me that at a time like this. I'm a bit disappointed. And the journalist held his ground. He mm. said, well, so he yeah, I get you disappointed. I apologise. But could you just clarify? The question still stands. Are you joining Live Golf? And he said, oh, mate, you'll have to talk to my manager. All I do is play golf. Now, oh, gee whiz. It reminded me a little bit of Brooks Kepka a few weeks ago when Brooks was asked about live golf before uh, a major. He said, oh, do you mind? Fancy asking me that now, you know. So I, I, there are rumours about Smith and a couple of other Australians that they may be joining it. I can't confirm or deny, but Paul... I'm interested to see how you interpret that answer because twice, both answers, oof, you know, you can imagine the social media reaction. It was just a lack of a denial. Like, he, all he had to say was, I'm not in talks with Libgolf. Boom, end of story. He, he didn't deny it. I just wonder, though, Crash, if things changed. Maybe he was uh, seriously contemplating it, but I wonder winning this event, will that change his mind now? Uh, we don't know what sort of bonuses were involved with Titleist and his clothing manufacturers by winning the Open, uh, what that opens up for him. We know he's a great fan of 4X Gold. Crasher, I'm sure uh, uh, they're running to uh, to get sponsorship involved. So I wonder, does that change in the more money that he will earn staying where he is, or does he still want to go and play the Live Series? Yeah. Paul, it could go the opposite way, see? Like, he may say, I've got my heart's desire. He is now eligible to play in the British Open until he's age 60 every year, which means he's got the next 32 British Opens to play, no matter who he joins. And, and, and the British Open have said, we will not stop players who automatically qualify from playing in our Open. And he's done that. So he's got 32 more years of that. So maybe that pushes him towards Greg Norman's tournament, you know? And, and the other thing I will say, Paul, don't underestimate the links between Greg Norman and the Australians on the tour, you know? I, I know he's been very good to a lot of them over a long period of time, especially when they just start out. And it's quite frequent for them to, to tell stories about, oh, you wouldn't believe it, I was just heading over there. 
from the first trip and the phone rang and picked it up. She said, oh, it's Greg Norman here, mate. I heard you're uh, coming over for the Barracuda Championship. Oh, that's great. Congratulations on winning that and uh, coming out. So, in other words, it's a deep-seated... He's not like the American golfers. They, the Aussies like Norman. They, and so I'm not... Oh, Paul, I, I am shocked, I have to say, that... that that he has been linked with the tour, but in a way, it, it sort of makes sense. And I, I, and I repeat, I don't know whether it's going to happen or not, but his answer was quite intriguing. Yeah, it was. And uh, well, I guess the, in the no answer is perhaps the answer. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it is. So often in journalism, Jared, when you sit at an interview, you listen for what wasn't said yes. rather than what was said. And it was a clear, concise, specific question. Have you joined Greg Norman's Rebel Golf Band? Boom. And, and, and first off, he dismissed it. And then the guy came back for a second bite. And then he, he said, oh, mate, talk to my manager. Now, it, it, it's, some, something's happening there. I don't know whether it is. Maybe they're in discussions or something like that. But you would have thought if there was... No, let, let, let's imagine there was nothing in it, all right? Well, what he would completely put it to rest so that he could enjoy that occasion. Said, no, mate, nothing doing there. I'm just enjoying this brilliant victory and that'll do me. That's what he could have said. But right. he didn't say it. He did not say it. Crash, Rory McIlroy finishes third over 93, just five years older than Cameron Smith. He's got four major titles, but not one since 2014. He had a four-shot lead overnight, shot two under. Has he missed a chance here, do you think? Yeah, yeah, he has. He has. I mean, there was a poignant moment when Cam Smith putted out on the last hole and Rory McIlroy was on the 18th tee. And as soon as Smith's ball went in, Rory knew he had to uh, make an eagle to, to join Smith. And there's just so hard to get. Like, you'd be one in a thousand chance of getting one. And his just face became just... He just sort of closed his eyes in pain. And you could just see... It was an unguarded moment where he thought, oh, it's gone, it's gone. And he came so close. I do think it really helped Smith that he wasn't in the last group because there was the McElroy sort of circus and everyone cheering for Rory and that. And Cam was just afforded the luxury of sneaking up on them and the group ahead of them sort of thing just... You know, without the same crackling crowd and, and, and hustle and go Rory and all that. Like, he, he was he was in a nice sweet spot. I wonder whether he could have put that round together for his playing with McElroy. I'm sure it would have been harder. Ed Crash, uh, good win by the Broncos? Yeah, uh, it's terrific, isn't it? I mean, it's called fibre, Jared, isn't it? You know, the when you get down to having seven or eight players out and you still win, they've been terrific. And... Uh, you know, we've, we've criticised them when they've gone badly, so it's, it's so important to give them a tick. When, in wins like this where they just, you know, players, you know, could come in after barely playing throughout the season and, and, and just just step up and, and uh, Jordan Pereira, you know, uh, guys like that on the wing, and, and play really serviceably. So they've got depth now. You know, with all their origin stars coming back against Parra, that'll be good. But they're in the finals now, so... And, and a potential top four finish. So you've got them. Is it $17 you've got them, Jared? Uh, I think they were. Uh... Yeah. It, it's. I, I, I think there'll be plenty of Broncos fans having a, what you might call a little nibble at that, mate. A little mm. nibble. They are 17, yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, just worth a, worth a nibble. And Cam Smith, by the way, I think you had him $13 entering the last round. So, you know, there's plenty of Australians would have had a little nibble in that too. And plenty did at the $21 before things got underway too. So all good news. And, and uh, the Dolphins have signed Anthony Milford. How will that work out? Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I, I sense there'll be nothing, there'll be no middle ground with this. It'll either be a really nice signing or it might go pop. But they, I can understand it. Wayne Bennett coached Milford when he took the Broncos to one pass away from winning the 2015 grand final. He liked him. He moved him to 5'8". He, he's just... They had a nice connection. And Milford's looking for regeneration. And I think, you know, he may find it in Bennett. Has he got anything left? He looked to me as if he was fading Anthony Milford after in his last season with the Broncos... It just never really worked. Maybe in the shadows of the peninsula, without that intense scrutiny, he can fire. But um, you know, he—it's he, a—it's a good cheap signing for the Dolphins because they've got to roll the dice on a few of these sort of signings, and some of them will come up trumps. Crash, Justin Holbrook. You would have heard us talking to Brent Reed before the news before you joined us. What do you think? Is—is is he going to be there next year at the Titans? Um, I think he's a chance because they will make him the last man to go. They've already uh, taken out the conditioning coach and the defence coach, Jim Dimmick, and they feel that without a decent spine that the team has been really hamstrung. But um, half the problem is they just... Paul, where do you find a replacement coach? You tell me. Who is your replacement coach for Justin Holbrook and would they improve it? Who, who is it? I mean, I, I can't find one. You, you, you may say Paul Green, I guess, maybe... But, but, gee, it's a shallow pool, isn't it? Well, you've got the two experienced guys that have won premierships in green and Shane Flanagan, mm. and a lot tipping the next cab off the rank is Cameron Seraldo and our man Josh Hannay as well, Crash. Um, mm. But it appears as though they've got other issues there at the Titans. They clearly aren't fit enough. Well, they're not as fit as the, the other two Queensland teams in the Broncos and the Cowboys. So I think they're going to need a, a much tougher pre-season if they're going to be in contention again anytime soon. Yeah, and to give Dave uh, Donaghy credit, the Broncos CEO, I know at the end of last season when he did some public speaking and he, he said, you know, people talk about oh, how the Broncos are going to go next year. He said, I'll tell you one thing, we're going to be fit. Now, they pushed him hard early to the point where a few blokes strained muscles and whatever... But that fitness, as they always say, fitness is alertness. And you just see it in their decision-making now. It's the same with the with the Cowboys. I mean, how many interviews have you had on from North Queensland this year where they've said, oh, gee, we're a bit sore after the off-season because they worked us so hard. But it came from an edge and they're still profiting from it. You know, So you're right. I always think that the Titans, they're just, they're just fading out of games, aren't they? And they, they just... It's just that steel they lack. And it's... Uh, it's, it, it's, it's disappointing because fitness is something you can control. You should be able to control it. If you're dedicated enough, you should be able to get super fit. Crash, it's always a pleasure to have you, not uh, just each and every Monday, but always on the show. You have a good week and we'll catch up again soon. Bathe in the glory of Cameron Smith's victory at the British Open. Thank you very much, Paul. It's a week to remember. All the best.